What is it you want? Real estate. It's the Red Hot Real Estate Show, where we can all find out how's it going for buyers and sellers in the real estate market. I have died and gone to real estate heaven. Looking to move? Hoping to sell? Call in with your questions to real estate expert Mimi Shoneman with Remax Results. I'm going to go out and buy a house. Here she is, your host, Mimi Shoneman. Yes, she is our host and our friend from Remax Results, the Red Hot Real Estate team. Mimi Shoneman is with us again. Hello again, Mimi. Good morning, my friend. Hello, hello, hello. Glad to see you. Glad to hear our friend Phil Olson, who is on the line from Cross Country Mortgage. How's it going over there, Phil? Happy New Year, guys. Hey, Happy New Year to you as well. Let's get your NMLS numbers right out of the way, please, Phil. NMLS 238103, company NMLS 3029, Cross Country Mortgage. Right. This is going to be great because we uh, just finished on the Health and Wealth Show talking about some financial goals, and we know that retirement is a a financial goal for a lot of people, so we're going to cover some of that information today as well. We're going to be talking about it, too, Mm -hmm. um, about what the smart moves are to make prior to going into retirement Mm -hmm. if you're thinking about your housing needs. And uh, we've got a a great show planned uh, regarding that. Uh, We've got some great stories that we're going to be telling and uh, some market updates. So, Phil, let's start by talking about some of the programs that have updated in the the mortgage world. All right. You have what's called the Home Ready and Home Possible program. Those are two great programs that will help first-time home buyers and also pre-existing buyers. As long as you sell your home first and then you buy the house again, you can use one of those programs to get it is a reduced interest rate, reduced mortgage insurance, and the income, your gross yearly income has now gone up to eighty two thousand four hundred with both of those programs. Wow. And if it's and if you have a combined, say a husband and wife, and the husband makes eighty two thousand four hundred, but the wife makes three Thirty thousand. As long as you could qualify on the husband's income alone, you don't count the spouse's income. Even though they're a combined of one ten, they still qualify because you're only using one borrower. And Phil, isn't that a big jump? It was closer to like sixty thousand for a while, wasn't it? Yeah, last year it was seventy nine thousand four hundred. So it's gone up another three thousand dollars. That's awesome. I will let you, yeah, mm-hmm. I'll let you know. There's a lot. In the market right now, I'm seeing a lot of lenders loosening guidelines a little bit as long as it's not COVID-related. If it's COVID-related where the consumer's income is either they're unemployed, their income is reduced, their hours are reduced, there, there are further restrictions there. Fair enough. We also have, we also have what's called Freddie Mac has reduced uh, uh, for student loans. You don't have to go with a 1% calculation of any student loan that's in forbearance or you're not making a payment on it. They've now reduced that to 50%. So in other words, if a consumer has $100,000 in student loans, but they're not making a payment on it, we still have to hold that consumer at $1,000. Well, if we use this other new program, that debt now goes from $1,000 a month to $500 a month, giving that buyer more purchasing power. So, Phil, let's just expand on that a little bit. So uh, so I understood your math, but if they're not pay- making payments on their student loans, you have a formula that you can calculate, and now it's half, and that affects their debt-to-income ratio, correct? Correct. 
But also, there's also another program that a lot of people don't know about is what's called a true IBR. Okay, that is what's called an income-based repayment program. And if we can prove that the income-based repayment program is truly zero, we do not have to hold any debt against the consumer for those student loans. All those student loans then get designated as a $0 payment, and the consumer then has more purchasing power. So how do you apply the true IBR? Is that its own independent program, or does that get applied to all these other options that you offer? It dep- Well, it all depends on the type of student loan the consumer has, all right, and it all depends on the type of paperwork the consumer has on the program. So if a consumer is only making $50,000 a year, but they've got $100,000 in student loans, they might be on a true zero payment repayment plan based on their income. And as their income goes up, then their student loan payment will go up. Okay. All too often, all too often though, lenders look at those, they don't ask the right question, and they automatically tell the consumer, well, we have to designate either 1% or a half a percent as a payment on that, throwing their debt-to-income ratios either over 45 or 50%, which at that point in time, that consumer would probably get, I'm sorry, we can't help you. Okay. Okay. So that makes perfect sense. Right. So mm-hmm. so let's talk about who the who are the perfect people to take advantage of this true IBR program. Uh, anybody, okay, that, that has a lot of student loan debt and their income um, is somewhere is probably between, I'm going to say 50 and 100,000. But for any consumer out there, they can contact their student loan company and ask them, am I on a true IBR, income-based repayment program? And as long as the paperwork they get back from the federal student loan company says their payment is zero, that consumer could be that buyer for us here this coming year, or they, that client could be out there shopping because their, their debt-to-income ratios will be much less. Okay. Okay. Because that is a this is a new thing, right? Um, because everything I've heard before is they needed to calculate one percent towards the debt to income ratio. So this is huge, huge. And it is, were... It's very huge. It is very huge. But understand that is only for a conventional loan product. If the consumer is going to use any form of government, federal government loans, this is FHA, VA, USDA you cannot use an IBR program to reduce their debt-to-income ratio. Okay. Okay. So so they have to pretty much have everything else in a row. So maybe their credit is already set up to a certain level and all of the other things that would help them qualify for a conventional loan. Right, Phil? Not exactly true. Okay. Believe it or not, if I were to partner a home-ready program or a home-possible program, the credit score criteria goes all the way down to a 640. And even though the consumer has a 640 conventional loan, they get preferential pricing and rate and preferential pricing in mortgage insurance because those two programs have looser guidelines, which are similar to say an FHA loan. So I could partner, it is the IBR with the home ready or the home possible, and I believe it has to be strictly partnered with home ready. Home ready will accept the IBR. 
Okay, so there's two ways that I could fix a consumer's debt-to-income ratio and still get them a very good marketable rate. Okay, but the criteria still is uh, income of no higher than 82400 right? They, For one. Correct. Gotcha. Correct. That's one of the criteria is their income cannot be higher than 82400 But for that for that combined married couple that's making $150,000 a year and one is making 70 and the other one's making 86, maybe I can get them qualified off that other spouse's income at the 70. Okay. So let's just talk real quick about, uh, before we head into our first break, what type of price point home can you see a consumer taking advantage of with this these programs? Currently, if if we use a a mathematical formula formula of say five dollars per thousand, pretty easy to do the math. Five divided into three hundred thousand, their mortgage payment is fifteen hundred. Principal, interest, taxes, and insurance. Considering our interest rates are still between two and three percent, the low twos to the three percent range. And you're talking about probably up to three hundred thousand dollars in purchase price. Is that what you're saying? Correct. Okay, so of that... course it's also dependent on tech and uh, on taxes. taxes. If they're if they're in one of the highest tax rate areas in the city, then five dollars might actually turn into five dollars and fifty cents or six dollars. Okay, so I think Phil, what I want to talk about when we come back from this break, um, I've had some conversations with folks lately about. Uh, wanting to wait to save or wait to see if things change after the pandemic. And you and I both are in agreement on what the process should be if they're able to. So we'll talk about a little bit more about that when we come back from the break. Right. We'll also take your questions. You can be part of the Red Hot Real Estate. Welcome back to the Red Hot Real Estate Show here on My Talk 1071 and streaming on MyTalk1071.com. I'm Michelle and here with Mimi Shoneman from the Red Hot Real Estate Group and also Mr. Phil Olson from Cross Country Mortgage. You can be part of the show. Just call us at 651-641-1071. Okay, Phil. So that was, I thought that, I mean, I'm going to just go ahead and pat, pat ourselves <laughs> on the back. I thought that that was great information. Definitely. This first segment. So let's just go jump right in to the the big no-no of the month, mm-hmm. Phil. All right. Client went into retirement. In other words, left her job. And she worked with her financial advisor. And the financial advisor explained it was better not to take her social security income until later in life. Okay. The main I- the main issue is that the financial planner did not know the full picture of the client's debt. All right, so here's the problem. Daughter, her daughter got sick. Client wanted to move to Wisconsin to be her near her to help her. Based on the client's total income, she did not qualify for the home she wanted to buy. So what's the solution? Well, I helped her work with Social Security to start doing the paperwork to get her Social Security income. I had the son become a non-occupant co-borrower so she could qualify using a first-time homebuyer program. She wrote an offer. We got the offer accepted. She's already moved into the home. And within the next three to six months, I'm going to refinance the son back off of the loan because he doesn't want to be on the loan long term. And uh, 
as, as soon as her income is stable with the Social Security. So this kind of leads us into the show today of what do retirees, what should people be thinking about before they go into retirement? Should they buy now? Should they sell now while they're in a working position and their gross income is being used to calculate that purchase or that sale or whatever they want to do? Or should they wait? Just understand, consumers or my talkers, once you go into a fixed income position, it does become more difficult and you may have less options. Okay. And that is not a fun thing to say mm-hmm. or, or to hear or to face. Um, because so, you earned this, you think, that you went through a lot of work to be able to retire and do these things. And so it is difficult to have things held against you. So, Phil, one of the things that you said that I thought was a little confusing, um, you said that the financial planner didn't really fully understand the debt load that this person had. I, I was very confused by that. Can you elaborate on it? Well, they don't know what the criteria is for different programs for purchasing a home. And some debt-to-income restrictions or debt-to-income ratios go down to 43% or even 40 Uh He can assume it's 50%, but if the consumer doesn't have spot-on credit, that debt-to-income ratio may go from 50 to 45 Then it may go down to 42 It really depends on what Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, or Ginnie Mae say. So for him to calculate income... He does not know how we calculate income. Right. And, you know, to me, I'm not a financial planner, but all of it makes complete sense to me. Ms. Shannon, you, you, tell me if you agree. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're working and you're still at your high earning potential and you have a house and so you've got equity, hopefully, and you've got all the possibilities, doesn't it make sense to do it then before you actually go into retirement when it's all going to be flatlined? Right. And I think you just don't put all those pieces together that yeah. you go, well, I'm just going to do whatever's next in my life. I'm, and we found that a lot of times you have to think a year ahead, ahead of, time. of time, maybe right. five yeah. years. Right. So. Mm-hmm. All right. So let me give you a very common occurrence. Consumer works at 3M. They're a salaried employee. They make a hundred thousand dollars a year, but really their net income is 65,000. They apply for a mortgage we're going to use $100,000 a year as their income. And 50% of 100000 is 50000 Now you go into retirement. You're still netting the same amount, say 65000 The problem is, is we're not using gross. We're using net. All lenders use the net amount in retirement. Now you take 50% of 65,000, which now means we have $32,000 a year to work with for debt and a house. Okay, so let me just recap that. Right, because I got a little lost Yeah. Okay. So Mm -hmm. when you're working and you're gainfully employed, a lender takes the the calculation off of the gross. Is that correct? Yeah, I heard you. Okay, man, maybe I am good at math. (laughs) Um, And then if you're retired, the lender does not do that, they take it from your net. So that means that your 50% is coming off of the less amount 
when you're retired. So whereas Correct. you would have had fifty thousand to qualify on, now you've got thirty thousand. So are you saying okay, so you, you said that the net was the same both directions though, nope. right? No, net. Gross? It is. When you're no, working. What, no, I, I understand what you're saying. It's just that the fact that the calculation changes, because he said that, because Phil, you said the net was the same both years, but because it was, now that it's a fixed income, we don't use the gross anymore? We only use the net? I'm confused how that happens. In, 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 the, in a retirement scenario, we are not taking into account Taxes paid to the federal government, state taxes, FICA, Social Security. All those numbers are calculated on a W-2 mm-hmm. and a paycheck stub. Okay. We gotcha. as a lender across the nation, credit unions, banks, mortgage people, it's all the same. Mm-hmm. We go off of gross income. Now, there's really only two categories when you're retired that you can actually gross up. Okay. You can gross you can gross up sometimes child support. Okay. And you can sometimes gross up social security. But if they're paying tax on social security, you can't gross it up. So what happens is once you go into retirement, we're now going based off of your net income, but the, there's so many problems that I want to talk about whereas if you're going to buy, you're going to sell, and you're thinking about retiring, you want to start that planning process now. You want to start looking at it now. I want you partnered with a tax accountant, maybe a lawyer if there's a trust involved, maybe a CPA. Maybe we're thinking about selling a business, and we're going to sell a business to a family member. What does that look like? There are so many things to think about, and if you don't plan it out correctly, achieving home ownership, buying that second home, buying that investment property could become something where I'm going to say, folks, you can't do it now. I'm never going to say never, all right? But I'm going to say, now you need to do this, 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 and this. And oh, by the way, there's a three-year waiting period for that. There's a two-year waiting period for that. And oh, by the way, you wanted to buy that $400,000 home. We'll never get you to the $400,000 home. It's now two seventy-five. dollars Gotcha. Okay. And that's a painful point. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Phil, I know because I, I work with you for many years now that you've had many people that may have accidentally, not meaning to, but shot themselves in the foot because right. they didn't plan ahead they they did things but thinking that it was always going to be the same and then it wasn't and so or it seems more stable if you're going okay well i'm going to know exactly what i make and all of those things you don't anticipate that it's going to be a problem so if you have somebody that went into retirement and then they find all this out after the fact and they're like oh shoot i should have waited can they go back into the workforce and then their qualification change Yes, I mean they could go. They could go back into the workforce, but if they have a six-month job gap, they probably have to get back into the workforce and work a full year, okay, okay to make to be able to qualify again. And if if they're sixty-seven years old and they leave that cushy job of one hundred and fifty, what are the chances of them getting back into the workforce? 
Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll continue talking about things that retirees or pre-retirees should be thinking about before they do it. Right. When we come back. Right. And you can be part of the show. Call us at 651-641-1071. We'll be right back on the Red Hot Real Estate Show with Phil Olson and Mimi Shoneman. Welcome back to the Red Hot Real Estate Show here on MyTalk 1071 and streaming on MyTalk1071.com. I'm Ms. Shannon here with Mimi Shoneman from the Red Hot Real Estate Group and Remax Results. Also, our friend from Cross Country Mortgage. Mr. Phil Olson is with us, helping you plan for being a homeowner and going into retirement. And we've brought up some great points, Phil and Mimi, about, you know, this is when you hope that you're moving into a more stable part of your life. And there's lots of things you still have to take into consideration. You know, there's a lot of fear. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of fear with the unknown. And that's why if you are looking online right now and you're you're seeing homes and you're kind of window shopping, you're kind of dreaming you need to be calling us right now, um, talking about mortgage, planning, real estate. We can help you map out the perfect plan, um, and you don't have to do it alone. So reach out to us during the week at 651-578-2218. And you can also text that number, text Phil or text Mimi, text real estate, text mortgage, and we'll reach out back to you. But Phil, let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the steps that people need to Uh, march through when they're thinking about possibly going into retirement before they do it? All right. So uh, you've you've nailed it right on the head. Planning is pivotal. But some of the questions that consumers should be asking prior to retirement, is my home too big or is it too small? Well, let's let's talk about that. Um, So that is what I hear over and over again. Um, once the kids get to almost all of them out of the house. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then they start thinking, well, I'm storing all of their things. It's piled up in my house. I've got to <laughs> dust the stuff. And it's it's not the way I want to live right Why now. Why am I heating a room that nobody lives in? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so I hear that over and over again. This house is too big for me. But what people are facing right now is, yeah, your house is to this, to that, to the other thing. But their fear is... What am I going to go to next? What am I going to find? And how are we going to make that happen when prices are the way they are? Phil? All right. So maybe we take a look at a situation where retirees frequently have a huge equity position in their home. How about you buy that second home on the lake or that second home up in northern Minnesota in the woods, and instead of selling your house, we pull the equity out of your house that's free and clear. You become a cash buyer. You become a cash buyer. And now you can move into that second home or live in that second home. And then you can ponder, what do I do now? Mm-hmm. Do I convert that home to a rental? Do I sell it? But now that I've got, I'm living here part-time at the cabin, well, guess what? I just found out from my boss I can work from my cabin all the time. I don't even need to live there anymore. It gives options. And the key is 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 talking about it, thinking about it, and planning, and then Let's asking the questions. Go ahead. Ask the questions. What are the reserves? What are your assets? What is your income stream? What is that going to look like after retirement? What's SSI going to look like? Are you going to be receiving dividend income? I mean, the list goes on and on and on of the things I'm going to talk to that consumer about 
almost like a financial planner. Right. And so the things that I'm hearing from folks out there, uh, they seem to be bewildered by the quality of the build of the newer things and the expense of the build. And so the reason for that is all of the costs of the the supplies that goes into building a house are way up, over 25% up year over year. And labor costs are going up and there's not they're not making any more land. And so, you know, there's tons and tons of those issues. Phil, I can't see what you're talking about. He's gesturing at me with a box. I don't know. What is happening here? Wood costs, lumber costs have gone out of the roof. Gotcha. Okay. Lumber lumber costs have gone out of the roof. That's what I'm trying to say. Gotcha. So he's using props. Okay. I like that idea. No, but he's... (laughs) Hey, I get it. You yeah. know, in his brain, that completely makes sense. 100%. That was it, totally. Like, we so can we just, got you now. We do TV now. <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever. Um, now I'm lost. Okay. So we're talking about the, the reason that people are bewildered with when they go to look at, mm-hmm. they've got this really nice house. Right. It's too much for them or mm-hmm. too this, too that. And they don't want it anymore. They want something else. They're, and they're like, how come the new one costs so much money? They're like, Lord have mercy. That house is like as much as what mine is now. Right. And, and it's not as much, it's not as quality. And I'm putting that in quotes. Yeah. I hear it all the time mm-hmm. or that the lot is small or it's, it's, you know, you, you have views, your views are gone. Right. And, and the reason is, is they're, they're just not enough of everything. Right. And so now that we're able to work remotely, now we have options. And so you can move out to the middle of Iowa mm-hmm. or up to Canada mm-hmm. or out to Florida or wherever you want to go. Phil? Here's another good one that I hear all the time. Can I afford my home in retirement? Mm-hmm. Can I afford that mortgage payment? It really comes down to have you done the necessary planning? Have you saved enough money? Or do you, are you going to go into retirement and then be put in the position to where you can't afford your home right. and you can't make the mortgage payment? That's why you want to do that planning prior, okay? Uh, another one, uh, do I even want to live in this home in retirement? Right. Is it practical for you, you mean? Correct. Well, okay. I, I usually, when I have consultations with folks, we talk about the five to seven year plan. Okay, and every five to seven years, I'm going to say, ask yourself, has my life changed in some way or the other? And you go from being single to having a pet to having a significant other to maybe having children. Maybe then you go into like a expanded family. Maybe mom moves in because she's got bad, bad legs. Mm-hmm. Um, then maybe just, you know, your life is constantly evolving. And so you can't expect that the house or the condo that you first started out in is going to make sense when you're 70. Right. You know, it just doesn't because you're not the same person every so often you change. Mm-hmm. Right. Phil. A plan is great. A five to seven year plan. Totally agree with it. But what happens when something controversial or something happens in your life that causes you to have to make a decision quickly. I cannot tell you the number of clients I deal with. Dad passed away. Mom Mm -hmm. passed away. Mom has to go to a nursing home. I mean, the list goes on and on and on of the things that happen to people. And had they just done a little bit of planning and also asked the questions, what happens if something really bad happened. 
how do I maneuver with that? Well, I also want to talk about one point. Um, it's not even related to this, but it just popped into my head. So when you're when you're sitting down to close on a house, and it may have been a long time ago, or maybe you're just getting ready to do it now, but your title person is going to talk to you about how you want to take title and whether that's joint tenants or tenants in common. Now, if you are just married to somebody and or you're buying with somebody else, it matters how you take your title. Okay. Or let's just say that you, you bought the house with your with your husband and your husband passed away and now you have a significant other or maybe a remarriage. So how you took that title is going to matter on how that property gets passed down. So with joint tenants, it's right of survivorship. So if I'm if I die and, and then if I've got joint tenants, my husband gets it. Mm-hmm. Now, if we've got tenants in common and I die, uh, it, it doesn't necessarily go to my husband. It goes to whoever I say my heirs are in how I direct it. Interesting. So you want to, you know, revisit your financial world, people. It, it, Every once in a while. You do. Mm-hmm. And if you have assets of 100000 or more, please talk to somebody about getting a will and also possibly a trust. Right. Phil? You're bringing up a great piece that I'm going to kind of segue to, and that's what's called dividend income. Dividend income is income driven off of stock, and it's basically a royalty that's paid on a quarterly basis. Guess what? That is not fixed. That can change. A business can stop paying a royalty or a dividend. And for some people, their whole combined income is dividend income. Understand in the mortgage world, it's a two-year average of dividend income. So if the dividend income goes down, your income goes down. All right? Um, You know, is what are... Are your income streams, are they a fixed or are they a variable? Okay. That's really important. If it's a variable, you could qualify today and not qualify tomorrow. All right. That's why I'm trying to say, you know, if you're even contemplating buying a home for retirement, you should always do it based on the gross income while you're working. Okay. Because then it's a simple calculation. Once you get into retirement, there's all kinds of rules, like the dividend income is a two-year rule. All right, mutual fund distributions and new distributions can be a three-month rule. So I'm only drawing $1,000 a month off of my 401k, but hold one here, I need $3,000 a month to qualify. Well, if that client finds that cat's meow house today and they want to put an offer on it today, they're not going to qualify until they call their mutual fund and change their whole distribution plan. Gotcha. Because it come, it all comes back to what's called verifiable income and stability of income. So, huh. That's so just... they'll be waiting. So, so again... If you want to go, I want to make this offer today. It's like, nope, you have to wait three months because all of these things take time to change. Or nope, nope, you've got to go back and then do your homework. Mm -hmm. You know, so when you window shop, I'm just going to say, 
you know, people do love looking at houses right. um, for a variety of reasons. But if you are looking at houses and you know in the back of your mind, I really would like to move. Right. You're, you're going to find a house that okay. you love. Mm-hmm. And then you'll be like, shoot, I wish I would have called Phil. <laughs> yeah. And I wish I would have called Mimi. And so we could have got this whole plan in place. Right. Phil? One program I'd like to talk to, to clients about that have what's called high net worth is called annuitizing assets. A lot of lenders, even mortgage loan officers, don't even know what annuitizing assets are. Right. Let me give you an example. I have a client that has $2 million in their 401k. They're 62, but they're not drawing them right now. because They're only drawing dividend income. But they don't qualify for that home based on their dividend income. Well, believe it or not, you can take all your assets in 401k, stocks, bonds, add them together, take 65% of that number, and then you divide it by 360. Okay. So what would, what would that look like? I take $2 million times 0.65 divided by 360. Well, that's $3,611 of income I can show, even though the consumer's not receiving it. It's called annuitizing an asset. Okay. Well, when we come back from the break, Phil, well, let's expand a little bit more about that. Welcome back to the Red Hot Real Estate Show here on My Talk 1071. I am Miss Shannon. On the phone, we have Mr. Phil Olson from Cross Country Mortgage in studio, our good friend Mimi Shoneman from the Red Hot Real Estate Group and Remax Results, helping you plan for your retirement. We're like, there are so many extra things that we have to think about. We want this to be something that you can enjoy and settle into and definitely don't want the fact that you retired to keep you from getting into the home that makes sense for you at that time in your life. Right. Well, I do want to point something out to everybody, and we talked a little bit about it last week, but right now in the Twin Cities Metro, we only have 1.3 months of inventory. Right. That's our absorption rate, and whereas a normal market is between five and six months. That's why the pain points people are feeling and why it's so competitive. We're drying up the inventory. People are fearful. They don't know where they want to go. And so what we, Phil and I, both strongly agree is that if you have the capability to buy first prior to retirement, then we think that that's going to be a great strategy for you to explore, Phil. Right. Another thing is, is Mimi and I, we've, we've helped so many buyers here this last year with our buy first, sell second strategy. That's definitely something people want to be calling us on so we can inform them and show them how that might work. Because that way they can move into their home and not worry about what am I, when is my house going to sell, how much am I going to get for my house, Mimi and I can all help figure that out for you. A hundred percent. And when you talk about like the least stressful type of transaction is when you move into a vacant home and then you, you, you can take your time to get your house ready, right. especially during a COVID environment. You're not having to deal with uh, walking behind people and wiping the knobs and this and that. So it's a good strategy for folks to consider. So please reach out to us this week to uh, to talk about that if that's something that you're thinking about in the in the near future. And when I say near future, you know, the next year to two, um, because we know that people have plans. But Phil, what were the best interest rates you saw this past week? I locked a rate at two. I locked a rate on a 15 year fixed purchase at two percent. Oh. That's almost wow. free. That's <laughs> almost free. Okay, so look, that brings us back to what we talked about earlier about 
people who want to wait to save a little bit more. And what do you say to them, Phil? I would tell you, based on housing prices going up on average, anywhere between, even if you go with a 5% increase, considering the metros that anywhere is between 10 to 13% appreciation rate, most people, I would say 80% of people cannot save fast enough to overcome the appreciation rate of the house going up. So, so what does that look like? Yeah. On a $200,000 home, if the house goes up by 5% in the spring market, that house has gone up $10,000. Now, guess what? If it takes you a full year to save your $10,000, guess what? You're chasing your own money. Right. You'll never catch yourself. You'll never catch up. And so that's why it's important for you if if this is you and you're like, oh, I'm waiting because I don't have enough, you still need to have a consultation. Let's get you in the queue, talking with you, doing a, a great buyer consultation so you're prepared, doing a great mortgage consultation with Phil. Phil, what do you say to that? Buy low, sell high. Mm-hmm. Now you're going to say, hold one here. I'm buying at the high point. You're buying at the historical low point of interest rate. The difference, we've already talked about that, Mimi. On a $200,000 home, your interest rate goes up by one full percentage point. Your mortgage payment has gone up $150 a month. $150 a month will get you $30,000 more home because of the low interest rate. So yes, you might be buying at the height of the market, but if you're anywhere between 200 and 350, folks, I'm sorry, prices aren't coming down. We're not seeing foreclosures. There are no short short sales. Right. And builders are not builders are not building brand new $300,000 homes. So there's nowhere for the housing economy or the housing market to go back at this point in time. So we're not going to see declining housing prices. No, not in any near future. Um, so we do. Which is what I think a lot of people were expecting if you went through the last time that we had this type of economic black swan events. We're all like, oh, I'm going to wait for a deal. Like, I know my mom was trying to tell me that. Just wait. I'm like, I don't think that's going to happen this time based upon everybody I know that works in the industry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, when somebody says the word deal mm-hmm. or, you know foreclosure i'm like those days are over right at least right now um i'm not saying forever but it's but just that's not. good for the overall thing we don't want we want people to be able to stay in their homes and to be able to do that you worked really hard to do those things and to get people in their homes so the more people we can keep in their homes that's good it just makes it really complicated if you want to move from the house that you're currently in i think mm-hmm. we need to, to get a, a jingle we want your house we want your house <laughs> But I think it is just a matter of going, no, we have ways that we can get you into another house and taking care of that because people are worried. And so letting them know we can sell your house, but do if you do a little bit of strategizing, you're going to be able to get into another house. Exactly. Phil? If, if people think that due to COVID-19 that we're going to see a plethora of foreclosures, I don't think so. The Biden administration has already come out and said they're going to put another one-year moratorium on foreclosures. Lenders are going to be forced to work with these people and do modifications. So most of these people, I think we might see some foreclosures, but it's not going to be like back in 2007, 2008, 2009 when we had the great mortgage meltdown. Right. Right Right now, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, 
and Ginny Mae are the most securitized, meaning they're the best off right now than they've ever been. So why do you say that? Somebody's looking. Why do I see that? Why do you uh, say because, that? Because uh, the amount of money that they're bringing in off of PMI, off of the VA funding fee, off of FHA loans, be it the MIP, uh, they're, they're all very, very, very solvent. They're not in financial straits. Right. Now, if they were in financial straits, we'd probably be in a housing market downturn. Right. Now, you let's just talk about the neither one of us believes that, you know, we're going to see a rash of foreclosures. Um, we do mm-hmm. think that we're going to see some. But I'm, I'm just going to put a plea out there to people. If you are in forbearance and you are unemployed or you have a hardship, let's have a conversation about this because you may have equity in your house that may change your life. You may want to look at selling that asset and getting out of it and starting fresh and taking the cash that you could get. Um, there's lots of options for you. So don't just sit there in fear. Let's have a conversation about it. Phil? If a consumer can bring their house out of the forbearance and bring their account current and they're back to work, they can buy and refinance. Right. The key is, the key is how do we do that? Well, the key is they call me and they call you and we figure it out for them because we're the professionals in the industry and we do this every single day. You know, with equity on like all time highs right now, higher than it's been in forever, people have money in their house. And so they can use that money to leverage their situation. And there's lots of ways to do it. Um, But, Phil, before we end the break, um, let's continue finishing up talking about pre-retirement and what folks really need to be considering maybe five to ten years before they go into it. I don't know, five to three. What do you think? I think I think if if you're five years away from retirement, now's the time. And good financial planners will tell you you should start planning five years ahead of retirement. Right. Okay. If you're thinking about buying a home in the next year to three years, you should be having that conversation with us now. It doesn't mean you buy now, but if we can put you in the position to where when that house comes on the market and you fall in love with it we can pull the trigger and you're going to go, oh my gosh, I'm so glad we talked about this. I'm not stressing out. And that's what retirees, they stress out Mm -hmm. big time. Yeah. Well, you don't want to fall in love with a house and go, oh shoot, I needed to do this, that, and the other thing. I hope it'll be there when I finish those things because it won't be. Right. Um, And so if you are a pre-retiree and you have your eyes on destinations, if you've always wanted to live in Arizona, Mm-hmm. Texas, California, Washington State, Florida, New Orleans, you name it, wherever you want to live, we can help you find a qualified, excellent realtor. All you have to do is let us know where you want to go, and we can we can put that referral for you right away. So with people being able to work anywhere, we're seeing lots of people migrating to the destinations that they've always wanted to go to. Phil? I totally agree. And on, on my end, our company, we, we are licensed in every state. I'm literally helping two clients right now. I am their loan officer. I have another loan officer helping me that's licensed in the specific state. But I'm able to help that client from cradle to grave. Go buy that home in Florida. Go buy that home in Montana. You just have to tell me where, where we're going. And then I partner with somebody that's licensed within my company, and I'm able to help you. 
Awesome. So, Phil, is there anything you want to wrap up talking about about pre-retirement uh, before we head into the close of the show? I, I would have to say, you know, um, here here's a good one, alimony. Is alimony going to continue for at least three years? If alimony is not continuing for three years, you can't count it. If you've got child support and you have a child that's 17 and 18 and you're still receiving child support for them, you can't use it. Right. Perfect. Well, give us a call during the week, 651-578-2218. You can also text that number, mortgage or real estate, and we'll be getting back in touch with you soon. And you can get or a you can of- reach me, Phil Olson, at 651-238-6748 or email me at phil at callphilolson.com. We'll talk to you both next week. You can also go to our website, mytalk1071.com, keyword red hot.